The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, striving to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And one of the big advantages to having a weekly radio show and therefore having access to folks from all over the United States is that we get to talk here about strategies that are interesting and are maybe not super well known, but are growing in their popularity and that you would never find a course about, never find a, never find it a typical real estate association meeting, but uh, they give you, give you something to, something to think about and more information about how these things work. And today is an example of one of those when we're going, where we're going to talk about investing in small markets and particularly out of, out of area investing in small markets. But before we get to our guest today, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati has a another February meeting or January meeting tomorrow that meets twice a month for the main meetings. And it is uh, it is hot topics from 6 p.m. to 8.45 p.m., uh, 6 o'clock. We've got past president and CPA Scott Ellsworth talking about the new PPP loans, the new loans for small businesses that are uh, potentially forgivable if you do it right. Uh, there was a new round of funding for those. Uh, that happened with the stimulus bill in December and the rules have changed slightly and have actually have changed in some ways to make it a little easier to apply. So a lot of you folks who are real estate, small business owners and looked at them last year and said, eh, I don't know, this not, doesn't, maybe doesn't apply to me. And also it seems like a real pain to apply, or maybe you applied too late and got told there was no money for you. Uh, might want to check that out because um, it, may, it may still be that you don't want to get them, but it would be nice to know and kind of get it off your mental plate, right? Just just find out for sure. Do I, do I want to apply for this or don't I? At 7.30, we have a panel talking about what has got to be the sexiest strategy in real estate right now, which is owning short-term rentals. Seems like everybody and their mom wants to convert their rental properties into Airbnbs because of all the hype about how you can get, you know, three times the profit from an Airbnb that you get from the same property as a rental. We're going to find out how much of that is true and uh, what the both the challenges and rewards are of owning Airbnb properties from a panel of people who actually does. 
anybody can attend that meeting from anywhere in the country since it's online. You would get your link to attend at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. As always, it is free to members, first-time guests, and anyone who's the member of an Ohio RIA-associated organization. And as always, if you're coming back for the second time, it's going to cost you money to come to the meeting. So you should just join. If you're coming back for the second time, you already know it's awesome. So you should just join. CincinnatiRIA.com. My guest today is the president of one of those uh, ORIA-associated organizations, Mahoning Valley RIA in the Youngstown area. He is also currently the president of the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. But uh, those are both volunteer roles. His real job is he's a real estate investor, just like all of us. He has done a whole bunch of things for a really long time. He was raised a Quaker in southeastern Pennsylvania and uh, started his first business at seven and had two others going by the time he started working in the corporate world. Uh, he actually got involved in real estate uh, in at the age of 14 and started a business that he's going to talk a little bit about today in 2013 up in the Northeast Ohio area that does turnkey rentals, rentals, rehabs, lease options, contracting. He has an opportunity zone fund. He likes investing in self-directed IRAs. He's he's a busy, busy guy. So we're really grateful to get him to join us by phone today. Jeff Rickerman, welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Thanks so much, Vina. I'm glad to be on the show. And we're glad to have you here because you've got a perspective that a lot of listeners don't have and need. <laughs> because this thing, it, we, we've been watching this happen now uh, probably since about 2007, 8, 9, and, you know, through the real estate crash, where out-of-state investors... You know, particularly from expensive markets, California, New York, Miami, you know, places where it's it's really hard to buy a rental and make it cash flow because the house prices are so high. Sure. First turned their attention to like the the big first tier cities like Phoenix, you know, had a lot of a, a lot of out of state investment. Uh, for the first few years of that, um, Minneapolis, Miami, places that now we look at and go, man, their house prices are high too. And then it moved on to the second tier cities. And for a while, it was Kansas City, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland. And then property prices started kind of spiraling upward there and rents didn't. So they they had the same problem they had in Phoenix, which is the house is too expensive for me to buy and get the kind of return I want. So then they moved on to places like Akron, which is in your neck of the woods. That's not where you are. But Akron and Dayton started getting a lot of out-of-state investment. And now those, like Dayton was on like the fastest appreciating property list in the country last year. It was like it had the highest appreciation in property prices last year, partly because it was starting from a low bar, and partly because of a lot of out-of-state interest in investing there. And now it's gotten to Youngstown, which has a population of 65,000 people. I mean, Youngstown is hardly a city. Youngstown's almost just like a town. But you guys are seeing exactly the same thing there. And again, it is it is money-seeking returns wherever that can be. 
So, right? So, yeah. So, my, so I live in Alliance, which is a little ways from Youngstown, but same thing. It's a town of like thirty-two thousand people, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a desirable market. Mm-hmm. So, when did you start to see? When did you start to notice this happening? That you were seeing you were seeing deeds being transferred to people who lived in California or Florida or New York. It, it's been happening for a while, but it's really been happening for the last year, year and a half. We've seen a lot more of it. We, uh, you know, the housing prices have done nothing but either stay steady or go up depending on the neighborhood and the market you're talking about. They haven't, you know, we're supposed to be seeing house, you know, prices go down here at some point, but that hasn't happened yet. It, the market stayed very strong. And, and part of that, you know, obviously is our low interest rate when folks can go out and get a loan to buy a house for less than 3%, they're going to be motivated. But another factor is certainly the out-of-state buyers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're definitely uh, buying up houses for sure. And, and, and tell, me, tell me what they're doing with those houses. Are you seeing mostly people buying for long-term rental, or are you seeing rehabbers coming in from out-of-state and trying to rehab and resell, or neither, both? What, do you, what, do you, what are you seeing? So in the higher dollar uh, areas, you're seeing some rehabbers from out of state rehabbing and uh, and then reselling those, but that's a lesser percentage. And mostly, what you're seeing is you're seeing long term investors who want to buy and hold, you know, want to come in, buy a property for cheap, put some money into rehabbing it, and then have it as a rental property for long term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's. You know, you're you're just not going to be able to to make the money you you would need to make. You know, flipping in a in a kind of lower end neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Give me some feel. Give us all some feel for what a higher range house costs where you are, and what a, more of a rental property costs where you are. So higher range houses, um, seventy to one thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, rental properties, anywhere from ten to forty. Mm-hmm. Uh, a decent, a decent. You can still pick up a decent rental, three-bedroom, single-family house in the 30s right now. And how much it's work? How much work, work is that house going to need? <laughs> yeah, it's going to. Well, I mean, anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars. Okay. So what you're telling me is, I could, if I looked hard, I could, I could be all in on a rental property where you are, a three-bedroom rental property for. Forty to forty-five thousand dollars. Absolutely, we just uh, we just put the earnest money down on a house today and signed the contract. We were trying to get it for thirty-three and ended up being thirty-six five. We're going to end up having about nine thousand repairs in it mm-hmm. um, when we're all said and done. So we'll be you know. And then and then what will that rent for? It's going to rent right about eight hundred. Okay, so. Those numbers that you just said are going to seem really familiar to the people like here in my market in Cincinnati because they sound like numbers from 2010. We, we, we could do that deal here in 2009, 2010, but you absolutely could not do that deal here now, both because that house that you used to be able to buy for 35 and put 10 into is now you're going to pay 65 for it. And and you're right. going to put twenty into it because the it's hard to find rehabbers here. And, but on the flip side, the rents are also much higher. And 
that three bedroom, I, I think the three bedroom, two bath house you're describing here would probably rent for a thousand eleven hundred dollars a month. Still, your rent to price ratio is much better than ours here, and and the numbers that you can now get in Indianapolis and Kansas City and God knows Nashville and Atlanta and places like that, which is probably the reason that money is seeking your properties. Well, I I tell you what, I mean, there's the only reason I moved to Ohio is real estate. I, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I grew up in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania. I really enjoy it there. Um, and I was working my corporate job, and I happened to come across uh, a three-bedroom, single-family house with new siding, new windows, new roof, a two-car garage. And they wanted, what did they want, twenty-one five for it. And I couldn't believe it because where I come from, that's a $180,000 house. Uh-huh. And I ended up buying that house for seventeen five. by the time we got done negotiating. And I just couldn't believe it. I mean... And, and, you know, that house rented rents for $700 a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, Ohio is an amazing market for real estate. When we come back from the break, we're going to, we're going to talk about the flip side of what you have seen, which is out of, out of town investors making huge mistakes in what seems like an obvious, it seems like an obvious deal. If I can buy a property for $10,000, how can I lose? Well, you can lose if you do it wrong. We also want to take listener questions. So listen up, listeners. If you've been thinking about making an out-of-state investment of any sort in any place and you want some advice on it, or you're interested in, you live in a small town and you're interested in potentially doing what Jeff does, which is buy houses, fix them up, and then sell them to out-of-state owners, uh, there are two ways that you can contact us. You can give us a call at 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. And yes, that means you're going to be on the air asking your question. If that idea terrifies you, do it anyway, because it's a good growth opportunity. But if you can't make yourself, send us an email, askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to a real life small town investor who invests in his own local area and also um, has a has developed a business selling to people from out of state who want to invest in that little local area because the numbers are so much better than what they can get where they are. So we can talk about both of those things if you have questions about the the turnkey rental business which is i mean when you think about it it's like just another way of retailing properties i buy them i fix them i sell them i'm just not selling them to homeowners i'm selling them to rental property owners or uh out of state investing because jeff has a lot of experience watching people make terrible mistakes in their out of state investments if you have questions, 877-772-9658, or you can send them to askvina at gmail.com. Now, Jeff, yes. you've had enough time to watch this, and, and being the president of the Mahoning Valley RIA group, I'm sure you've heard these stories from other members as well, that you have seen out-of-town investors make the same mistakes over and over and over and over buying in your area. What kind of mistakes are just so super common that people should just like not do them anymore because they're not original? Well, 
so one of the one of the mistakes we see or we hear about, you know, we hear about this three or four times a year at least, is someone buying a house from someone. Okay, so you know, hey, I'll sell you this house for ten thousand, and they buy the house without going through a title agency, Ooh. which means there's no title search and there's no title insurance. And they may not only be buying a house that that person doesn't even own, but they may end up um, with a bunch of liens on that house that they are now responsible for once it goes into their name. So, and, and I don't know why someone would even think about doing that, but that would be the first thing I would caution someone against ever doing is all, you know, find a good title agency and always run everything you buy through a title agency. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. a lot of those, I mean, ten thousand is super cheap even for the Mahoney yeah. Valley area. Like that's like sure. that that's sure. that's so cheap that I would be asking myself questions like, is there some major structural problem there? Is there is the city about to tear that down? Is there a million dollar IRS lien against it? So I think what happens is you know folks will see something like that advertised. I, I've seen those on um, eBay. I've right, seen people selling right. that kind of house on eBay, and it's like a bidding situation. You know, you, you, you best bid by midnight wins it, and they get all excited because they're like, look, it's only $10,000. The lot has to be worth that. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's true in the city of Youngstown that a lot is worth $10,000. Yeah. Well, we, we just heard about a situation where a guy bought a property, um, and this situation we're talking about, and once he bought it and got into his name he found out that there was like fifty thousand dollars owed on that property because the city had he bought it from another investor that investor had i guess a number of properties and the city tore down a few of those properties and the city billed him for tearing down those other houses Mm -hmm. and put it onto this property that this other person bought and and ended up owing for these you know like fifty thousand dollars on it so that's a huge mistake yeah and and that's that's another um, thing that I have bought properties outside of my area. But one of the things that I always research that I think a lot of out-of-state buyers don't even consider is what are the politics and the bureaucratic things that you're going to have to deal with in that city like? Because it is just the case that some cities more appreciate their rental housing providers than others and there are some cities that are famous for kind of making your life miserable by doing things like aggressively tearing down houses and billing you for them by having a very aggressive building department and you're dealing in an area up there where there there are at least three or four different small cities like like Youngstown and Alliance and you know there's there's a bunch of them and every single one of them has a different building department different politics about whether or not they like their rental housing providers different laws and nobody ever checks that out well this, this that's an excellent point i mean it goes as far as to you know who the judge is in the court and how you're going to fare if you need to go to court um, and it, and it also things like uh, rental inspections and property registrations and you know as, as you know some of these some of these municipalities feel like they need to uh, make their entire budget uh, uh, over on, you know on the uh, housing provider or the property you know the investors backs and mm-hmm. so yeah you're absolutely right you better you better check out what that flavor is like. Mm-hmm. in that community and a really a really good way to do that right now this might not have been so possible 
this time last year is these these areas all have real estate associations and they're all having their meetings online and why would you not join that group and and like ask these questions of people who actually have to deal with it every day that's actually a lot easier than trying to research it for yourself um jeff we need to go to the phones russell is calling us from connecticut russell welcome to real life real estate hi thank you for taking the call you're very welcome Russell, yes, yes. So my question today was again. I'm one of the many who I guess become successful who who will who will attest to all the failures they've gone through and all the uh, and and having in, had investing uh, in in out of state before with a lot of um, eh, dubious dubious results. Um, how might you and thank you for the point so far? How might you suggest? Uh, going about mitigating all that i mean knowing the politics knowing all the you know the courts and all the other the landscape i guess well no i think i think right now we've got the unique opportunity to actually join the local associations because frankly if i if i had if i decided i want to invest in alliance or youngstown i would join mahoning valley ria and right now i'd be able to go online if i if I couldn't go online, I would drive the eight-hour round trip once a month for three or four months just to talk to people and say, what am I getting into if I buy a property here in Youngstown or here in, you know, wherever? Because that's where you get the real story is from the people who deal with it every day. Uh, it, it's really hard to even find municipal laws especially in smaller towns where it's not all online and but that that doesn't even answer the question of what are the judges like here and what is the building department like here that's a that's kind of the tip of the iceberg though what give me some examples of some specific things that surprised you and turned out wrong when you invested out of state well basically that there was that that there 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 was uh, some electrical things and things things that even an inspector could not see mm-hmm. there was an, an electrical and plumbing uh, primarily and and then a whole lot of different contractors coming in who were saying well you're out of state so you know we can charge you twice as much and not do the job yeah yeah i want to say a certain word starting with s but <laughs> yeah, it'd be great on the radio, but pretty much, and and then going through one after another and after another, and property managers and uh, different property managers and and all the tenants was just a a two hundred thousand mistake. Okay, so I I wrote down sure. I, I wrote down sure. everything you just said so that Jeff could address it. So Jeff, what we have here, the questions are around a combination of inspection th- problems, contractor problems, and property manager problems. What would you tell Russell to do before he bought his next out-of-state property? Well, I have one question for him first, and uh, that was, did you did you go and look at that property yourself before you bought it, or these properties, or were you trusting someone else to do that? Uh, both. I went I went to look at it, and and yet again, I could not see some of the things that were that were needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in, so in, in in essence, another I mean, even a an inspector wouldn't. You'd be surprised yeah. what inspectors can find that you can't, because they've got tools that you don't have. Right. Even so, um, plumbing and electric and things that are oh, not yes. seen. Oh yeah. yes. Oh okay. yes. Yes. Okay. So. So so I would reiterate what Venus saying about joining, you know, the local RIA group in that area because. Not only everything she's already saying about being able to talk to people about 
what what's going on in that area and what you need to do and what you need to stay away from, but also the networking opportunities, the opportunities to meet other investors and maybe someone who may want to partner with you, maybe someone that wants to be boots on the ground for you, maybe some contractors who have been vetted by that group, you know, maybe property managers, all that type of thing, uh, closing companies, et cetera. You just, you just have an opportunity to meet a, you know, a whole lot of people that might end up being on your team in the long run. But to answer your questions directly, um, I mean, you, you know, I, I'm, so I, I'm, I'm pretty hands-on myself, and so I'm going to do um, a lot of the inspecting and, you know, some, some basic electrical tools. Can, if you take the time to test the things, you can uh, determine. I mean, first, you know, on electrical, the first thing is for the panel that you have. And then the second main thing, you know, is that, is that a newer panel or is that one of the old panels that you're going to need to replace right away? And then the second thing is, do you have modern uh, wiring in there, or do you have the old knob and tube wiring? So those mm-hmm. are the those are the things you got to look for on electrical. Those are the things that are going to mm-hmm. kind of hurt you. Well, Jeff, I, right. I I'm sure you've heard this thing before, because I know I have, about people trying to manage contractors that they can't go to the property and and see and meet. What would your recommendation to Russell be about next time, how to hire and manage the contractors from so far away? I really think that you need boots on the ground there. You need someone, and you know, that maybe falls back to, you know, getting associated with the RIA group. You need someone, whether they're a partner with you. I mean, the way I look at it is everyone has something to offer, everyone has something to give, and, and everyone has something they need. And so if you can figure out how you can um, satisfy someone else's needs and they can satisfy your needs, you could build a relationship that is beneficial to both of you. So if you have someone that's, that's there that can stop by that job site, you know, maybe two or three times a week and see what's going on with it and make sure that make sure that things are supposed to be happening are happening and the things that aren't supposed to be happening aren't happening, then that's really going to put you so far ahead. Otherwise, you're just trusting those people. I mean, you could get them to send pictures right. of the work they're doing, but pictures <laughs> still on everything. Let me, exactly. let, let me tell you a story, Russell. This might, this might actually make you feel better about whatever happened to you. Mm, so many. I was, I, was buying a, I was buying a house. This was, you know, 2011 maybe from a, a lady who lived in Texas and had bought, had bought a house in Cincinnati because it was cheaper in Cincinnati and somebody had, you know, sold to her saying it's a great deal, blah, blah, blah. And she just, you know, she didn't really know the market. So honestly, she overpaid for it. Not terribly, but more than any local would have paid for it. And during the conversation about her wanting to sell it, I said, so like, why do you want to sell it? And she said, well, the the work is only about 90% done. And I've gone through two different contractors and, you know, the first one did about, you know, 80% of the work and then he just disappeared and I hired another one and he did another 10% of the work and now he's disappeared. And I gave them all of their money up front. So I'm $60,000 into getting my $40,000 rehab about 90% done. And I said, uh, okay, but, but what they've done is good work, right? She's like, oh yeah, I'm going to send you pictures. And she sent me pictures of the contractors that sent her. And then I went and looked at the house and guess how much of the work had actually been done. Ten percent. Oh, if that. Really? They were sending yeah, her pictures say. of a different house, and she didn't know it because she had never come and visited her house, so she didn't know the living room wasn't actually laid out that way, and mm-hmm. that those shiny new floors were not in her living room. Wow. 
and the key you said the key point right there gave them all the money up front now i did when i went to see them i shouldn't this i should note that it was a the property group was working with a group in new jersey that i that i that i'd been connected with and that and and they were not exactly um how should i say Above board. Uh, really letting me see everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> big, big red, big red, red, red flag. Well, what yeah. what Jeff just told you is, put somebody who is on your side, either because you are paying them to be on your side or because they are partners with you, between you and those contractors who are hundreds of miles away. H- have somebody there who can who can fire if need be, who can come in and say nope this is not how you hang drywall, do it again, or we're not paying you if necessary. And the property manager issue that you mentioned about having to hire and fire a lot of property managers, that is probably the number one reason that out-of-state owners sell, is uh-huh. they cannot find a property manager that, that they are happy with. And, you know, sometimes it's they're not keeping it rented. Sometimes it's, I don't know if they're keeping uh-huh. it rented because they're not reporting anything to me and I'm not getting any money from them. And sometimes it's, you know, I was told I I was told by the property manager that this was turnkey, and now I'm somehow managing to spend ten thousand dollars a year on upgrades on what was supposed to be a turnkey property. So, Jeff, this was actually on your and my list to talk about. What about the property manager? Well, yeah, you you definitely need a, a good property manager you can trust. Um, yeah. Going back to what Venus said, I mean, you know, so when you're when you're talking about that person that's going to be your ally, you need a person who's not. Um, going to financially benefit from you rehabbing that house or buying that house or running that house. You need someone that's, you know, obviously a third-party neutral person who, uh, you know, is going to be, as Gina said, on your side. Yeah, um, I right. think I think a problem, a, 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 th- a mistake I see a lot of out-of-state owners buy is they let the person who's selling them the house exactly. tell them everything do everything and then manage the property afterwards and they just trust you know well, i've seen pictures they've sent they sent me comps they sent me a property inspection and it's nice to be a trusting person but in a real estate deal that's hundreds of miles away you need somebody as jeff just said who is not financially benefiting from all of this to give you a third party look at it so hire an inspector even though the guy who's selling it to you sent you an inspection from an inspector. You get your mm-hmm. own inspector and get it inspected. Right. You get your own bids from a contractor. Mm-hmm. Or, as we've been talking about, bring on a partner or, like, like just pay somebody to be your GC and get – and I don't mean that in the sense of a normal GC where they are, they are directly hiring the folks. And I'm just saying they're the person who stands there in Alliance, Ohio – and is you representing your interest against whatever might be happening with the contractors or the property manager? Okay. And and also, so, when there's a situation where you've got a property manager who also has a rehab uh, portion, portion hmm. uh, would you suggest to steering clear and just going to just uh, a sole property manager so there's not a conflict of interest? There's not the, oh, well, you know, there's all these challenges with your property and all this. It, just it depends. Your wheel it depends. I, I, yeah, I, was, I, I would. I would absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be too scared of that, but I would be very leery of that. And so, I would get several other bids. Like, I would tell your property manager, "Great, I'm interested in having your rehab uh, company go ahead and uh, do this for me." 
but I'm going to need a bid from you for the work. I need an actual fixed bid for this. And then I would ask a couple other contractors for bids as well mm-hmm. and then compare those and see what they I mean, there's, there's a lot of really good property managers out there, but just like anything, there's also people that are, uh, that are going to rip you off in any chance they get. And, and here's, here's a key way of kind of figuring out which one you're looking at. Go ask people in the local real estate association because if they've never heard of the property manager, chances are that that person's either relatively new or they specialize in dealing only with out-of-state owners, which could be, you know, that could be okay, or it could be because they don't want to deal with people who can see what they're doing. So so the other, the other, the other thing I would say with that is um, most property managers I know that are worth their, uh, that are worthwhile um, not only manage properties for other people, but they also have their own rental portfolio. And um, you can you can look that up on the uh, county auditor site and see just how many properties that property manager owns themselves. And that would be a good tell on, you know, if this is someone that's shady or someone that's actually a reputable property manager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So next time, okay. hire, hire an inspector. Get somebody who's representing your interests to be between you and the contractors. And ask for referrals on the property managers from people who are using property managers locally. Because if lots of people are using the person locally, where they can drive by and see, is my property actually being maintained? And is it actually vacant like the property manager says it is? Chances are that person is going to end up being a good person. Okay. Final question, how can we stay in stay in touch or in contact with Jeff yes uh, Jeff what is the website of Mahoning Valley Ria so it's MV Ria um, at, oh my goodness um, yeah M- dot org here I'll, I'll look it up and make sure you got that right because yeah. apparently yeah, that, 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 that question caught you off guard um, oh, sorry. <laughs> if you, no, it's okay. Thank you. Uh, I will say, I will say, I will mention this though. While Vina's looking at that, is you know the, the things that you mentioned there: plumbing problems, electrical problems. There are a couple of the main problems that can cost you a lot of money with a house. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of old, a lot of our sewer lines, and not so much the fresh water lines. I wouldn't be so worried about those, as long as you've had good water flow coming into the house. If the lines in the house, that's not that big of a deal. But the, uh, the the sewer lines going out of the house, a lot of these a lot of these houses are uh, the old clay uh, drain lines, which trees love to uh, run their roots into, and then that can end up being very expensive. And then uh. you know, so and then the other, of course, the other biggies are foundations, roofs, uh, termite damage, that type of thing. I mean, you want you want when you're buying a house to rehab it. You, you need to buy solid bones to start with. You can't have something that's rotting into the ground or that's, you, you're, it's just not going to work. And, and, that, and that brings up another thing that seems to surprise, especially people from the West Coast who are investing over here in flyover territory. They're used to houses built post-1950. There are houses in Youngstown built in 1850, 1860, 1900, and 
yes, a lot of those sewer lines are collapsed. And that's something that sometimes like a, an investor from a newer city doesn't even think about. Sewer lines collapse? I didn't even know they did that. Yeah, after 100 mm-hmm. years, the clay sewer pipes collapse and it's expensive to replace them. And so they, they don't do as thorough an inspection as they as they should on these very much older properties that they might be dealing with. Um, and, Jeff. and as Venus says, there, there are ways to uh, to actually inspect those. You know, you can run mm-hmm. a camera film, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jeff, the website of your nonprofit group in the Youngstown area is MahoningValleria.com. Thank you. MahoningValleria.com. Thank you for your call, Russell. You're welcome. Appreciate take you. Care. We got to take a Thanks. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk more about small town, small market investing, especially when you are out of state, and uh, also take your questions at askvina at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jeff Rickerman, president of the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association, turnkey rental seller, rental housing provider, lease optioner, IRA investor. He does all sorts of things. Guess what? You can still do those in small towns just like you can in big old cities. And we're talking about his experiences in the Alliance, Ohio area, which is in Mahoning Valley, which is way up in the northeast corner of Ohio, um, closer to Pittsburgh, actually, than it is to Cincinnati. And um, just sort of the the pros and cons of investing there, especially if you are not, if you don't live there, but you're super attracted by the low prices and what you perceive as uh, probably the better returns. And uh, we were we were heading into a discussion of common mistakes. And then Russell called us up and gave us some great examples of those. Um, basically, Jeff, I think it comes down to people in high dollar markets being willing to risk 10, 20, 30, $40,000 without doing the due diligence that they would do in their own neighborhoods because they really feel like at that price, how can I lose? And they can absolutely lose buying a house for $40,000 in the city of Youngstown that they've done no research on. You're absolutely right about that. And, uh, you know, one, one good piece of advice for, for folks that are out of state and too far away to actually come come to the area in person and look at what they're buying is maybe they want to focus more on houses that are already rehabbed instead of buying something that, you know, maybe instead of buying a house for 30 or 35 that needs 10,000 to rehab, just go ahead and buy that house for 50. That's just been rehabbed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Of course, of course, as you said before, verification is crucial. This is where you still need someone there to do that for you and um mm-hmm. you know one of the ways you could do that is you could do you know the video conference with someone you could walk through the house with them as they're showing you everything and you know make sure you leave a lot of time for that because hey wait a second back up show me that corner of the ceiling up there i see something that i don't like mm-hmm. you know because as you said pictures can lie um even video can be deceiving you know we we looked at a house a year ago and it was it was a great neighborhood it was a really nice price the pictures online look really nice. We walked in there, and every single floor in that house was off-level, and 
they weren't all the same off level. They were different <laughs> off level. But I mean, it was like you were in a fun house. You wouldn't have caught that on a video. You wouldn't have caught that in pictures. But when you walked in there yourself, you're like, I can't buy this house. Who's going to want to live here? Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and that indicates some sort of serious structural problem created by settlement or termites or water damage or something. That's not. That's not just. Oh, we'll level it out. It'll be fine. There's something going on underneath there. Well, here's the crazy thing. The foundation was good. The the, the joists were good. Um, I think that maybe the people that built that house were, I don't know, a little bit off level or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we're going to go back to the phones and talk to Eric from Wilmington, Ohio. <laughs> Eric, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have a question? Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, Um. so I... I'm coming uh, coming in from the uh, real estate, uh, from the wholesaling side, and mm-hmm. I wanted to use that as input. Um, I'm kind of I, I, I've educated myself, um, but I'm at a point where I don't, you know, I, I don't really have a mentor. Uh, I did seek out some big firms, uh, but there's a lot of entanglements that come with that. Uh, they're talking about loans and stuff. So I, I wanted your input about, you know, how would the best start uh, coming from the wholesale side of things. And do you actually live in Wilmington, Eric? I do. Okay, yeah. so you're you're in a small town. Yes. Okay. Um. So, and, Jeff, let's let's start here. Does wholesaling even work in a small town? It can work absolutely. But my my question for Eric first off is: so, are you looking to learn more about wholesaling, or are you looking to move from wholesaling to to rehabbing and? Uh, Exactly. Yes. Yes. I, I think the the best start um, from the process that I've seen, um, uh, of course, from YouTube University mostly, <laughs> uh, but um, you know uh, that's that, that's the best process. I I kind of mapped it out for myself exactly like that. You know, start from wholesaling a couple of years from now, then start rehabbing, and then be an investor myself. Okay. Okay. So, so let me, let me, we we don't have a ton of time left, Eric. So I'm going to make a comment that you're going to need to follow up on. And that is, that's not necessarily the map that that seems to be, that seems to be the map a lot of people draw for themselves. But the reality is if you, if your big goal is to really own rentals and if money wasn't a problem, you'd do that right now. You don't have to go through wholesaling to get there. There's there's all kinds of creative strategies for buying rentals. Also, well, um, I, I don't quite want to rent. I'm sorry, I, I don't want to rental, and, and um, we I, I I do have the email. We can you know exchange from there, but um, it's it's just more of I, I I guess I mean that's kind of the map right now. In two years from now, mm-hmm. would that change? Of course, um, but uh, yeah, okay. Right now, I, yeah, because I I know, skipped the I skipped the whole retailing stage in that map because I did it once or twice and I discovered I really didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, okay. The money was good, right, right. but it was just like, to me, yeah. Jeff loves rehabbing. Jeff was in a rehab right. when I called him earlier today. Jeff loves him some rehabbing. It it just wasn't my thing. Um, yeah. But uh, so this is the quickest recommendation I can make for you that's, that's going to put you a lot further ahead in both your understanding of what you have to do next and in the whole, you know, how do I get somebody to help me out? Because you said mentor. I'm not sure that's really what you're looking for. I think you're just looking for somebody to bounce stuff off of. Um, on January 30th, Cincinnati RIA is holding a 
five-hour-long wholesale quick start class. It's going to be, here's the things you need to do, now go out and do them. Okay? It's okay. it's $47 because Cincinnati RIA is a nonprofit. And they don't okay. they, they don't they don't know how to charge big money for classes. I'm teaching I'm, I'm teaching that class. Okay. You will come out of that with a lot more sort of I think what you have is a lot of knowledge but not a lot of understanding of okay, now what do I do right now though? Yeah. <laughs> what am I what am like I supposed to be doing right know, this minute? And right, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, and and that's what's that's what's going to be going on in that class. Also in that class you're going to meet a guy who's also attending who actually lives up in your same area. Okay. And is a potential buyer for your wholesale deals and also a potential partner to kind of, you know, our first few deals together maybe we'll team up and <laughs> see if see if between the two of us we can work all this out. So, yeah. so that's that's what I'm going to recommend to you. Um, it's CincinnatiRia.com to sign up. And again, it's January 30th. So okay. um, I think that that is an awesome first step. And then we can talk more about your deeper questions Yeah. when yeah. we don't have five minutes left in the show. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, yes, I'll, I'll be signing up immediately. Okay. Sounds sounds awesome, Eric. Thank you. Okay. So, so Jeff, you started to... You started to say, or you started to describe the fact that um, you saw this coming. You saw this thing about people being real interested in investing in your area coming a little ahead of everybody else, and you actually built a business. You said, "Okay, there's a there's this thing in the market that people want. So how do I make money providing it?" And you did that. And one of the many things you do in real estate is you sell turnkey rentals to out of town owners. I think there might be a lot of people in small towns like Eric who who are thinking, man, I, that sounds like a really good thing to do. Can you describe a little bit about that business? For instance, um, how do you decide which properties to buy and rehab? Because it's not like you've got a buyer set up ahead of time. No. So part of that, part of that comes with experience, you know, knowing what I mean, I started off with the rental business, and it's been in the last few years, as you said, that I've been doing the turnkeys. Um, so I've had the good experience in knowing, you know, the neighborhoods to select. And, and as far as selecting a neighborhood, you know, we talked before about the high-end neighborhoods and the low-end neighborhoods. You're, you you want to be in a, a safe, solid neighborhood, but you don't want to be in the high-end neighborhoods. You want to be in the affordable neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and then you need to look at your ratios when you think about how much you're going to pay you for that house and how much um, you're going to be able to rent that house for. And if you don't know what rents are, there's lots of good websites out there where you can figure out what local rents are. And again, also your reader group, you can figure that out from. But so you want to look at the ratio between how much it's going to, how much you're going to be all in for the house for and how much you're going to be able to rent it for a year. And then you want to, and then you want to, and then you can do some calculations on um, how many years it's going to take for uh, you to pay off the house with the rent, or how many years it's going to take for your uh, potential buyer of your turnkey rental to pay off with the rent. And, you know, if you can get that in, you know, the five or six year range, you're doing really good and you're going mm-hmm. to attract a lot of people to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so picking, so, so picking the right property to start with, trying to get a property that's not going to be a crazy rehab, you know, you might have to come in and fix some plaster walls. You might have to fix some 
some uh, plumbing issues, hopefully not major ones, some electrical issues, some ceiling, some redo some floors, some do, you're, you're probably definitely going to have to do some painting, you know, what have you, your list of things, but, but find something that's not, you know, you don't want to get into where you're having to rebuild the floor joist, where you mm-hmm. have to pull a whole floor up, or where you're having to rebuild the foundation. That's not the house you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You're looking for you're looking for the reasonable rehab, and then and then um, you know once you get that house rehab and get it in nice condition, then it's going to be very easy to rent that house because people are going to be driving by that house looking at it while you're working on it and asking you about it. You're, you're probably going to have that house rented before the rehab is done. And you're also going to rent it for a really nice amount of money. Um, you're going to be high end of the rental market because you've rehabbed it quite nicely. And then you're going to be able to sell it to an investor. It's already rented. You've got a, a great resident there that you've already vetted. You know, that, that, that you've done all the right things. And, and of course, all this comes out of knowledge. You know, you have to yep. know how to vet, properly vet your resident. And so they're going to, so when you're, uh, Jeff, from you. we are yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I, I, I'm okay. I'm, lo- I'm loving what you're saying, but we're gonna we're gonna have to bring you back and talk about that business all by itself because we have okay. straight up run out of time. But thank you very much for joining us today, giving us some insight on things to not do in the out of state buying market. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <music>